0: It was Christmas break of 1997. I'd been married for only four months at that time, and we were in Wichita for break, staying with Maggie's parents. We'd gone to bed, but I couldn't sleep. My conscience was eating at me. I was under deep conviction. I was a Christian, but I wasn't following Jesus very closely. I hadn't rejected the Lord outright, but I wasn't really living for him either. My profession of faith and my life of faith didn't line up. I'd been under this burden for a number of of months, tied up in knots. I wasn't spending time with the Lord. I had too much guilt. I wasn't serving the Lord because I didn't feel worthy. Thankfully, I had good friends who'd been speaking the truth to me in love, as fellow Christians are to do, and they told me that it was appropriate that I had a guilty conscience. The Lord was getting my attention. I wasn't living right. But they didn't stop at that. They also told me that I needed to turn to Jesus, repent of my sins, and receive the forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ. They said if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So at a very early hour in the morning of that Christmas break, I remember it vividly. Sitting on a burgundy recliner in my in-law's living room, I took their counsel. I turned yet again to Jesus. I received his grace, and my conscience was cleansed. I had no delusion to think that I was perfect, but I knew that Jesus was And he offered his life as a substitute for my sinful life. And so I stood up, so to speak, and I followed him. Now, I'm not here to say that I've lived a life free of sin, certainly not, but not even to say that I've lived a life free of guilt since that day, or that I've not had doubts from time to time, but there was something that happened that night, by the grace of God, that has changed me. Now, when I sin, which I still do very regularly, I turn toward Jesus, not away from Him. I don't sit in my sin and sulk forever. I draw near to the Lord, receive His mercy and then get back at serving Him. And that's the pattern of the Christian life. Have you ever been debilitated like this? For days, weeks, months, on end, with a guilty conscience? Maybe some of you are here this morning that find yourself in that very place, tied up in knots, debilitated from even spending time with the Lord and hamstrung from serving him. I have good news for you this morning from Hebrews chapter 9. Christ's blood cleanses, cleans our conscience, and it also clears up the way for us to serve God. Let me say that again. Christ's blood cleans our conscience and it clears the way for us to serve god how does christ's blood clean our conscience hebrews 9 shows us as we've been seeing throughout hebrews by way of contrast a contrast with the old covenant and the new covenant in verse 9 he says that the sacrifices of the old covenant cannot perfect the conscience. In verse 13, he says that the blood of goats and bulls, they purify the flesh. And then in verse 14, we read the blood of Christ will purify our conscience. The point he's making, if I can put it very simply, is that the old covenant only dealt with the external whereas the new covenant dealt with the internal. The old, only at a surface level, the new gets below the surface and into our hearts. We see this contrast between the external and the internal in two ways. The first has to do with the sacrifice itself that is offered, The second has to do with what that sacrifice accomplishes. So let me explain what I mean, speaking first of the sacrifice itself. In the Old Covenant, the animals sacrificed. They had to be without blemish. They couldn't have any physical defects, none whatsoever. They had to be thoroughly inspected. They had to be healthy. They certainly couldn't have any broken limbs or any missing limbs. They had to be perfect, externally perfect. But in the new covenant, the blood of Christ that he offered, he offered himself without blemish to God. But this doesn't mean that Jesus didn't have any physical defects. It means that he didn't have any moral defects. It doesn't mean that he was a physical specimen of perfection. It means that internally, all the way through, he was perfect. He didn't offer a sacrifice of bulls and goats. He offered his own life. He took on flesh to become one of us so that he could die as a substitute for us. Fully god and fully man, yet without sin, without blemish, internally perfect. Our standing with God, friends, this is the takeaway, is not based on what we do. Do you believe that? It is not based on what we do. It is based on what God has done through the person and the work Of Jesus Christ God accepts Jesus perfect life his righteous life in place of our sinful life and he accepts Jesus sacrificial death and we are delivered therefore from death so that's the difference between the sacrifice one externally without blemish the other internally without blemish. Let's next consider what the sacrifice accomplished. In the Old Covenant, the blood of bulls and goats purified, we're told, the flesh. They made a person externally, ceremonially clean so that they could engage in tabernacle worship, but they did nothing to take away sin. They did nothing to cleanse a person internally. But in the New Covenant, we read that the blood of Christ purifies our conscience. Maybe I could put it this way. The Old Covenant dealt with symptoms. The New deals with the disease. The Old was a Band-Aid laid over our sins. Maybe even we could go further and say it was stitches. It did something to stitch up our wounds, but the new covenant is a cure for the disease, for the cancer of our heart. Now, does that mean that if we are Christians that we won't continue to sin? No. Paul tells us That until Christ returns or he calls us home, we will still battle the flesh. We are indwelt with the Spirit, but we still battle the flesh. But the cancer of our sin, it has been cured. Once and for all, we are clean. The blood of Christ cleanses our conscience. But that's not all. There's a purpose behind all of this. The blood of Christ cleanses our conscience and also clears the way for us to serve Christ. Look at that last clause in verse 14. The blood of Christ purifies our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. I think you all understand experientially what I say when I say a guilty conscience weighs you down. It ties you up. It debilitates you from serving God. And how often does it keep us from coming in to God's presence? I can't spend time with God. I'm too dirty. I'm too messed up. That shows us that we don't understand the gospel in that moment. But when our guilty conscience has been cleansed, It unties the knots. It frees us up to serve God. And not only to serve him, but to draw near to him. This entire section of Hebrews chapter nine and the first parts of chapter 10 are pushing us towards Hebrews 10 verses 19 and following. And one of the things he says there is, let us draw near to God with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This is what I want you to take away today. When you sin, you don't have to turn and run from God, you don't have to hide from Him. You can turn toward Him and find security and hide in Him. And you can do that with confidence because the blood of Jesus has given you access to God. Remember what Jordan said yesterday? In the old, access was limited. In the new, all of us, not just priests, not just clergy, all of us have full access to the throne of grace. So repent of your sins. Confess your sins as we do here, but also receive the pardon that we speak of here. Look to Jesus, who made an end of all of your sin, and you can go to God with a clear conscience. Serve him with a clean conscience, not because of what you have done, but because of what he has done. Don't sit in that chair I was sitting in in 1997. Stand up, draw near, and serve God without fear. Let's pray. Father, help us to believe what is true, that if we are in Christ, we have been made new. You have cleansed our conscience. Help us to then rest in that truth, to draw near to you, and to serve you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.